Welcome, guys, to the MMOs.com podcast. It's Altai here with episode 124, joined by... Remo, as usual. All right, there it is. All right, we're going to get started with the weekly radar, unless you have any... Uh... Well, it is, it is Halloween. It's a very special time of the year, as it usually is. So we have a pumpkin showing in the back of the podcast. All right, we are we are in the festive spirits today. Yes, if you, so we're ready to rock. If you're watching this on YouTube or Twitch, you'll see the pumpkins. If you're uh, an audio listener only, then you'll be missing out. All right. First of all, Alta, any plans for Halloween? You know, if, you know. When you go to Starbucks, are you get, like, will you ask for candy? Will you trick or treat them? Will you like maybe like put a put a fez on and ask for, like trick or treat? Are you going to do any of that? Well, I thought about just getting uh, going trick or treating with Donut and then pretending to be like her uh, like older brother or something because she's like five foot. But, oh, that could work. But she, I, if she, if one of you dress up, you're fine. Yeah, Somebody's yeah, got to dress yeah. up. Obviously, she has to dress up like little kitty, you know, like with the braids or something. Mm-hmm. But no, probably not. We're going to sit in. Probably watch some TV. <laughs> but the, you know, I always felt like a douchebag when people came to your house and they trick or treat and they came with no costume, like like high school kids, like high school seniors. And it's like, are you fucking serious? Like you're not even trying, but like you don't want to argue with them, right? You weren't gonna be like, no, no candy for you, because like it's just weird and awkward. So you just gave them their candy and. Like, get the fuck out of here. You got to try a little harder. You know you know what I did every year? I got the Dracula teeth, okay? Mm-hmm. And nothing else. And it's like, so what are you supposed to be? I, I would just open my mouth. Ah. Uh, and they're like, they would just roll their eyes and give me candy. <laughs> it's the most low oh, effort. Not bad. It's the most low effort costume. I think uh, like high school has always let you, seniors dress up for Halloween. I think I, the one year I just brought a fez. And I just put the fez on. That was it. All right? It was, it, I, I was allowed good. to wear a fez. Because normally you can't wear hats in school. So I had the fez that one year. That was it. That was my Halloween costume beautiful anyway let's get to that weekly raid all right, all Hit right. It up. <clears throat> the weekly raid boys um free to play buy to play pay to play what is your preferred mmo business model so this is pretty open-ended uh you guys are can be free to participate and if you guys have anything interesting to say about your experience with any of these business models uh you know hop on discord we'll do a little open line thing if we get anyone but um it's been it's been about i'd say 10 years Mm-hmm. Since free-to-play games started coming to America and the West, okay? You know, and they all came from Asia. So one of the first companies to bring them here uh, was Nexon. So they kind of introduced, they helped introduce free-to-play to, play to uh, the Western audience. And you know, since then, a lot of Western studios have, you know, they, you know they, they, they grabbed that baton and went with it. You know, it's not like it's just Asian studios doing it now. Mm-hmm. Some of the biggest games uh, of the past decade uh, are free-to-play now. You know, League, Dota... Um, Warframe, Terra, Path of Exile. So it's clearly worked. Uh, but you know, what, you know what I always find funny? The company that helped, did so much to bring this model here, Nexon, right? They actually mm-hmm. don't make money in America with their games. They've done quite poorly, actually, in the last few years in America. Yeah, if you, this chart here, guys, it shows you um, the blue uh, bar graph here is their revenue in America. And the red one is their profit or loss. So in 2010, they made like a million dollars profit. But since then, every year, they've been losing money. And so they, and then just last year, 2016, they lost $43 million in America. Wow. Yeah. Good chunk of change. So Nexon is not making money on free-to-play, at least in America. But a lot of Western studios and other Asian studios are making money. Uh, so what are your thoughts, Martin? This, this big change in, in the market since right. free-to-play. I've been a big proponent of free-to-play for a while now. However, I do see the merits of subscription, and I understand why people always harken to like like. First of all, the RMORPG crowd and a lot of the more like vocal MORPG people, like people that actually talk about games and they're really into these games, not the casual players, they seem to gravitate towards subscription MORPGs because they think it's the most fair business model. 
typically if your game is free to play, there's always incentives for the developer to kind of, you know, they always got to do these, the milk money as much as they can to pay for the developer and pay for the profits they got to make. So it, it kind of changes incentives to be a bit more, um, you know, quote unquote, pay to winny. But the more I look at it and the more I've been playing these games and the more I've played free to play games, while I understand a lot of the complaints, I still defend the free to play model because while I don't like loot boxes and I don't like the pay to win elements, I feel like even with subscription MMORPGs and any MMORPGs or any video games, to, to be frank, the idea of paying to win, the idea of paying for advantages has always been around. Whether it's literally Ultima Online, EverQuest, World of Warcraft, every game is pay to win. Like Quite literally. You could just buy a max level account with best in slot everything on, every, on any game ever. And no amount of policing the game is going to fix it. It's impossible. People will buy and sell accounts. They'll buy and sell power leveling services. They'll buy and sell coaching services to get better at the game. So, and a lot of, you know, a lot of the you know, free-to-play games never really go blatantly pay-to-win. You can usually pay for advantages, even, like, super convenient stuff. You can pay for in-game currency in Black Desert Online by buying premium items and selling them. In Blend Soul, you can buy uh, NC coins and trade them for in-game currency right away and get the bid and get the best in-game PvE gear right away, too. So, the idea that people are just paying to win, I, I don't think that's exclusive to free-to-play more pieces. Maybe it's more in our face, but it's always there. There are always the the pay-to-win people with willing to spend money that can just buy best in slot items, and it's, it just, it's just more in the background. But Okay, so you touched on something there I, th- I always thought was interesting. So you mentioned Black mm-hmm. Desert, which, by the way, is not free-to-play. So I feel like what we're getting now is like a merger of the two. So we're getting what we call buy-to-play games. And I think that's a, that is the fastest-growing uh, type of you know, business model that we're going to see going forward. So many of these mm-hmm. games, they launch in early access or alpha or whatever with a price, right? And then they go free to play at some later date, if, if yeah. ever. So I think I think actually the buy-to-play you know, model is going to be the biggest one. And you have some big games that do it. You know, Guild Wars 2, Elder Scrolls Online, uh, so it, it, and obviously Black Desert. That seems to. I think. I think that's that's the one that's going to keep going the biggest, and that's. I think that's more towards the future. I don't like it. One reason. Why? Even today, there was a discussion on RMORPG and on the uh, RMORPG Discord, and I see it all the time. People always say like, recommend me, a, you know, a free to play game, and a lot of people say recommend me an F2P. A lot of people, mm-hmm. and I think that barrier to getting into a game can be a, a big turnoff for people. And even though like, I understand the subscription model. Like I, I enjoy the idea of no pay to win. I enjoy the idea of paying this monthly sub and it's, you know, I don't have to worry about nonsense. I also benefit a lot from people playing the game. So even if you're the kind of player that, you know, that wants some balanced gameplay, you still benefit when people play the game because it creates a more lively atmosphere and more pages about community or, you know, so if, if you're playing an MMORPG with nobody online, you know, are you really playing an MMORPG? You're playing basically a single player game. The more people in a game, the better. And I think lowering the barrier to that has a pretty big advantage as well. I've personally given up on the argument of, of, of trying to rail against you know, the, the pay-to-win. I know Canaris in our chat mentioned that uh, comparing uh, account selling and stuff and power leveling and, and pay-to-winning in subscription MRPs isn't the same as pay-to-winning in free-to-play games. And I would argue that it is the same because, yeah, it's not in the game design philosophy, but ultimately, you know, it's like the prohibition in America. You know, they banned alcohol, but doesn't mean people <laughs> stop drinking alcohol. Like, it didn't change anything. Yeah, it's not in the philosophy of the design, but it always existed, and it's never been stopped, and it's never going to be stopped. So it, it seems you can't even... There's no distinction at this point anyway. There's paid one happening in every game. You know, every game you play, there's paid one happening. You know, you're playing League even. You're playing CSGO. You're playing okay, World so, of Warcraft. But, but there are people but paying. You don't, see a dis- you don't see a difference between it being kind of sanctioned by the company? No, because it, it's happening regardless. It, they might as well make some money off it instead of... like. I, in fact, I would rather the company make money off it than some random... 
Chinese gold farmers, you know, making money off it. Because at least, at least if I buy it from the company, like if I'm going to buy a max level account, I'm going to buy all this all in-game currency. Like, why shouldn't the company that makes the game benefit? I'm going to do it anyway. Let's say hypothetically. Why should some other third-party benefit who didn't make the game that I enjoy? I enjoy playing this game. They deserve some financial benefit for it. Okay, like, so then, yeah. so would you say then? Uh, would you disagree with me that that uh, buy to play seems to be the way we're going? And I don't think your argument that it, it lowers the player base is valid because if you look at PUBG, um, Counter Strike, uh, Global Offensive, these games yeah. are booming year. You know. <clears throat> In the case of Counter Strike, every year it gets more popular. With PUBG, it's like number one on Steam now, and both of them are buy to play. That's not because that's not because the games are buy to play. Those are because those are great games. There are plenty of buy to play games like Lawbreakers, which were doing awful, <laughs> uh, that which should have been free to play from the get go. Metro Conflict Origin, a Korean lobby based shooter, is launching uh, just this next week, and it's going to be buy to play, which well, no let, one's going to play. Let me rephrase that then. I think if, if a game could can't make it as buy to play, the free to play won't help either. So yeah, those bad games like like let's say Lawbreakers. It's doomed whether it launches free to play or buy to play. That's not necessarily true either. Uh, like a game like Metro Conflict, like for example, look at Black Squad. Right, mm-hmm. we play Black Squad, and it's uh, it's this free to play Korean live based shooter. I will I will bet my life that if that game cost twenty bucks, nobody would have played it. Nobody. It was it, it was just another Korean live based shooter. It was literally combat arms. It was literally AVA reskin. It was the same modern tactical look. It felt the same. It had the same lobby, same shit. Literally the same shit. That game has four thousand plus players online right now. Oh yeah, six thousand, six thousand players. Six thousand people are playing that game right now. Do you think? Do you think that gave it any one iota of a chance? It was buy to play. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I do. No, I do. who's gonna buy it? They're gonna look at well, this is fucking combat arms. They're not gonna pay sixty bucks for it, you know. But no, they're not gonna pay twenty to, bucks. To, they're not gonna pay to, ten bucks to for quote it. To quote Cliff Blazinski, none of that sixty dollar multiplayer only bullshit. You know, twenty nine ninety nine, <laughs> twenty nine ninety nine. All right. He repeated that so many times. It was pretty cringe. No, I don't think uh, your argument is valid that. Because I think I think law not lawbreakers, but uh, the that black squad is a great example of a game that succeeded as free to play that would never have succeeded. As it would be, it would go on the same shit tubes that uh, okay. that lawbreakers. I, I, I will I will admit that's a good example, but but mm-hmm. with that said, I do think uh, we uh, would you at least agree with me that we are seeing more buy to play games launching recently than yeah free-to-play? yeah for sure okay. for sure. But again, when people ask, so many people have asked for recommendations. Again, I'm I'm keeping tabs on the the RMRP Discord. People people do ask like I want to play a game that's free to play like. People don't want that initial commitment. They don't want to pay up front. And honestly, like so many games I feel like are pretty bad. And I hate saying that, but like there are so many bad games. And I feel like when you if, it, if a game is free to play, it doesn't really cost you anything to try and understand and realize it's bad. But if you're buying a game up front, there is that friction. And that's why I think a lot of people do want free to play. People are okay with paying for maybe World of Warcraft with you know Final Fantasy Fourteen. These big name titles that they feel like, okay, you know, like this is probably not gonna suck that bad because you know I have some experience with this developer with the you know the previous games. But with these new games coming out, it's I think free to play helps enhance the increase the player base. And as somebody that's even willing to like, I'm willing to subscribe to a game. I, I'm not against that at all. I will I, if a game is good, I'll buy it too. But like, I still see the benefit of letting other people in because I want I want the game I play to be as popular as possible, as big as possible. I want the community to be there. I want the game to be growing. And I think free to play allows that to be the best. The best I mean, I, I again, I just don't. I think I just don't see that in numbers. So then, uh, I'll I'll make a bet with you. Then, do you think okay. we're going to see more buy to play games, MMOs, coming out? And obviously, when I say buy to play, I'm not counting like you know like Call of Duty. I'm talking about like 
basically it costs Black money. Desert. Yeah, games like Black Desert. It costs money, but it's still in-game cash shop. It's got you know persistent elements, MMO elements. We're gonna have that for console games and a lot of like mainline PC games. Like they're all going with the microtransaction stuff. Let's talk strictly MMORPGs and more like because I, I know our definition of MMOs are pretty broad. Okay. So the next few MMOs that come out and more RPGs that come out, I think more, I think much more will be free to play. And the only buy to play MMORPGs doing really well is is Black Desert. That's no, the only one. Other Scrolls, Guild Wars. That's true. That's true. Guild Wars 2 is player based number. Uh, Guild Wars 2 is, it's the numbers haven't been good great for that game. I think they they, they started splitting out the revenue on Antisoft's numbers too. Like they stopped showing it directly too. The numbers weren't great for that game either. But I, I hope you know Guild Wars 2 picks back up with the expansion though. Yeah, we'll see the, what the next new, earnings yeah, report. The, I want to see yeah what the numbers are. Uh, mm-hmm. Next time they reveal them. Yeah, but personally, I'm going to be defending free to play for a while now. It's just, it's just it's weird. Even with my friend groups, like when I say like, let's go try this game, right? The first thing they're gonna ask is it free, like that. Like people don't want to pay, people don't want to pay up front to try something. But look at Battlegrounds. That's look cool. at all the look at all the amazingly successful mobile games too. Like, the, but there's a there's this huge benefit to being free to play. I agree, Battlegrounds is a great game. I think Battlegrounds would make a ton of money as a free to play game as well. If they if, if this look, if they just released that game as free to play and just added more loot boxes and more cosmetics, they make arguably. Possibly even more money. Like all those people playing Fortnite, right? So many people playing Fortnite are like that's like the the ghetto free to play version of, of of Battlegrounds. Yeah, I think a lot of those players would all be in Battlegrounds, which makes the game even bigger. The server queues are even faster. No, there's more data no, for no, the developer no, 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 to gather. No. I think there's a lot of people who like the cartoon aesthetic, or vice versa, like don't like the. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, do you know what the concurrent player numbers were for uh, Fortnite last update? Ooh, no, no idea. Over eight hundred k. That is amazing. That's that that is remarkable. So Battleground, the genre of Battle Royale is doing phenomenal. If and, if yeah, if Fortnite was on Steam, it'd be the third most concurrently okay, played game. Real right talk. Now. You think Fortnite Battle Royale costs twenty bucks, anybody would play it? If what costs twenty bucks? If Fortnite Battle Royale costs twenty dollars, you think anybody would play it? Yes. I say no way. Well what, Nobody played the regular Fortnite oh, either because it costs twenty Prime, bucks. Thank you for the sub. You got the little emote there. I think the I think it being free to play really kind of boosted the the audience for Battle Royale for for Fortnite Battle Royale. Again, I'm not I'm I'm always willing to pay a sub for I pay a sub right now for Final Fantasy 14. I've been pay, I've been paying that sub well, for like I'm a not, year and I'm a half. I'm not even now. talking about subs. Subs are dead. I don't know about you, but I think subs are dead. Why subs? I think games like Final Fantasy 14 and World of Warcraft. I think you'll be surprised how much money these games make from microtransactions. Like uh, they make money from subscriptions, but <laughs> microtransactions make up a good chunk of it. But those eight dollar emotes, remember we talked about them so, a few weeks ago. So that's the best part. All right, true, uh, dull shot. Thank you for the four month in a row sub. But oh, Omar, I think you just uh, latched on the best part. Hmm. Oh, another look at the sub train here. We got the sub train going, boys. Hook thank long. you. Just sub. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, fam. You know what's funny? Well, now we're getting all three business models. Like you just mm-hmm. said, we're getting subscription. We're getting a retail copy you need to buy for uh, Final Fantasy, right? And it has yeah. microtransactions. Fortunately, I think WoW and Final Fantasy have a pretty decent model where most of the things you buy are cosmetic. How do, how do you feel about the, the level boost, though? Because like in Final Fantasy fourteen, and you can buy a, a level 60 character, right? A job boost, level 60 job boost. And before, and, and when Stormblood first launched, the, the latest expansion, you, you're only allowed to buy a, a job boost for one character. So every account can only buy one. So you get one class up to level 60, Max level 70, by the way, to skip all that early grind. Now you can buy a max a level 60 boost for all your characters. There's no limit anymore. Oh. Do you guys feel that's pay to win? So so how many classes are there? A lot. Like uh, like over nine, nine to so ten or something. Let's say ten. Let's say ten. That, so you can pay 600 bucks. Regular and you max six. 
Over 12, yeah. Wow. Has it, anyone has done that? Probably, right? Oh, definitely. Why not? They're, I'm sure a lot of people have, actually. Hmm. By the way, I bought one, too. I bought one for myself. I bought a, I bought a level of 60 boosts for, my, for a brand new class for uh, Astrologian. I, I never played a healer class before in that game. And I, I just uh, Now I'm doing my leveling roulettes and leveling up from 60 to 70 slowly on my own while I play my main class and just do my raids. So it's, it lets me skip all that early bullshit. And honestly, I, I've already sunk so much time to Final Fantasy XIV that just the thought of leveling from 1 to 60 is a bit much. And I don't know, for 25 bucks, they got my they got my subscription and they got my 25 bucks. Didn't you also pay to transfer servers and uh, all that stuff? Y- yes, I paid to transfer servers to Gilgamesh. So they got my money there as well. So they, so I didn't buy any. I don't think I bought anything in the game's mock station, the, the game's cash shop yet, though, beyond the level 25 boost. They have cosmetics and emotes there as well. I've thought about buying an emote. There's an emote that makes your character play dead, which is unbelievably cute. Your character just falls down and plays dead. So I thought about it. They didn't do it yet, though, all right? You know, that's funny. I feel like the term microtransaction is kind of like a misnomer. It should be mm-hmm. like macrotransaction. Because I'm enjoying Path of Exile. My, mm-hmm. my inventory got full recently. So I, there was a sale going on for stash tabs, right? Uh, so I added six new stash tabs as a bundle. So it's cheaper if you buy them as a bundle. So for six tabs in my inventory, I paid like $16. That's per, that's like, that's like you know, right now the Steam sale is going on for Halloween. You, know, you can buy like a legit game for like $16, $20. You know, like Witcher 3, Game of the Year Edition is 20 bucks. you know. Uh, there's a lot of games out there for 20 bucks. So they, these are not microtransactions. I agree. I think even even the microtransactions in, in, in League of Legends, like $20 skins, that's enough to buy a real game. So no, I, I do. I think my mind for microtransactions is like five dollars or less for an item. That's like kind of small enough that it's not like a real budget game. But we see a lot of a lot of bigger transactions. Again, twenty five bucks is a good chunk of change I paid, so it adds up for sure. Uh, uh, yeah. So I think I think uh, actually that's a good that's a good uh, interesting concept. Do you are we going to just see all three merge where every MMORPG is going to have like an optional premium VIP service sub? Every MMORPG is going to you know have a cash shop. And if you want to get in during alpha or early access, it's going to be like 50 40 or $60 or something for Founders Pack. A lot of these games do have optional subscriptions. Like yeah. you don't have to, like ESO, for example, has a subscription yep. as well. Yep, that's like, true. And you get these bonuses. So I think, I think we are seeing the merger of all of these. Mm-hmm. I mean, ESO has got some free-to-play elements too. So, I mean, all these games, it's, it's remarkable how much, like, does ESO have a free trial? Mm-hmm. I forgot. I don't think it has a free trial. I don't think so. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, but... I, we're going to see the merger of all three models for sure. I, I, I just think, though, more more games are going to lower that barrier to entry because the most successful industry, the most successful section of the gaming industry right now is mobile games. And there are no mega successful mobile games that you have to buy, you have to pay money up front. Maybe Minecraft Mobile, but like th- those numbers don't come close to the success of the free to play ones. And we've actually been playing uh, a free to play mobile game recently. So if you want to talk about that, too. Oh, sure. Yeah. So we did try a mobile game. Uh, let me pull up the video while you. Yeah, I got the video for you. I'll look at you. We've been playing some Lineage 2 Revolution simply because we've seen those ads everywhere. So we streamed it on Friday, and we didn't, you know, we, we didn't get paid to stream this. Everyone was asking, like, is this a sponsored stream? Because like everyone's so tired of seeing the ads for Lineage 2 Revolution literally everywhere. You go on your phone, whether you're on Facebook, whether you're on Reddit, whether you're on Pornhub, you see ads for this game for some reason. Like everywhere they're advertising. But we wanted to do a video for it just because we talk a lot about mobile games. And we wanted to try one out that's like really big and they're advertising everywhere. It's really big in South Korea, really popular there. What are your thoughts on this one? Okay, so I played it for the first time yesterday. I know you played it before that on like the on a different version, or perhaps the same version. But anyway, mm-hmm. I I was not impressed. Uh, 
basically the game it has auto walk okay which a lot of games do now but it also has just auto combat so what, it's so funny you start it up you click the dialogue it says accept quest you accept it your guy automatically runs to like you know outside town and you know it's like kill five rats your guy mm-hmm. kills him by himself then goes back and basically the only thing keeping you from playing itself like for hours is you have to click next um and you have to click on the npc uh quest dialogue so that's the only thing that keeps you from just playing totally afk but what are the designers thinking in a game like this i mean first of all the game is very successful and obviously the way you described it and obviously we are of the same mind on this one because i i really didn't after playing so many real mrpgs on pc the mobile aspect of MMORPGs doesn't really feel like an actual MMORPG. They feel like a whole different genre. That's they're, they're taking the name MMORPG and like perverting it because it's not what you'd expect in an MMORPG. Even like the more casual PC MMORPGs are like considered mega hardcore compared to a lot of these mobile no, games. I'm gonna, I'm, uh, I disagree with you. I think the reason these games are so big on mobile now is because they do so similarly uh, copy the PC feel. So don't I, I, I don't think it's fair to hate on mobile for doing this autoplay stuff. PC that started this. Okay? In MRPGs today on PC, even before these mobile games came out, basically the leveling experience was a total joke. The the mobs couldn't kill you, okay? Um, yeah. now whether that's Perfect World or WoW today or Final Fantasy or whatever, you you know, Elder Scrolls Online, whatever it is, mobs can't kill you. You know, you just basically fight these mobs that have no um uh have, have no way to kill you. So, uh, auto-walking for quests. We got that on uh, PC. So, all this game did was just make the auto-attack part automatic. That's the only addition here. No, but a game like World of Warcraft or Final Fantasy even, it's yeah. still... Yes, I agree. They're they're very easy, right? And it's very difficult to wipe. In fact, I would argue it's near impossible to wipe in, in modern-day WoW. If you're leveling in WoW from 1 to max level, you do all the dungeons as that, exactly as you unlock them. It's impossible to wipe. It, I, I've done it with Mr. Pandaria. It's you can't wipe. I, I've done it in, in uh, Final Fantasy XIV between you know level one to uh, level seventy, and you can't wipe doing the main story quest or main story dungeons or any of those. But it still, it still requires some form of paying attention to at least moving your character. Like you're allowed to take like you know, you know those indicators you got to move out of the way. Like well, yeah, no no no. Like, no, no, no. You're talking about dungeons now. Maybe I'm talking about the regular um, open world leveling in, in Final Fantasy. But it's not automated. There's some okay. form of involvement where you have to at least, you know, learn your character's so you attacks. Go, what, do you just go 1, 2, 3, 4, 1, 2, 3, 4, 1, 2, 3, 4, without bothering yeah, to, to dodge or... Yeah, of course. Do, okay. It, can, you, can they kill you? Like, can, if you're level 20 and you're leveling in a level 20 area, can you die? In Final Fantasy? Yeah. It's very difficult. <laughs> okay, there it is. That's... It's difficult. But, but, but the thing is, you have to at least... You have to... It's weird because... Personally, for me, when I played Lineage to Revolution, I couldn't feel any kind of connection with my character. One, the game has, like, no customization. Like, we're talking, like, absolutely zero. And this is not, like, offshoot Chinese crappy mobile game. This is a big-budget title from NCSoft, right? They, they spent a lot of effort on this game, makes hundreds of millions of dollars a month, and there's zero appearance customization. Zero! So, one aspect of an MMORPG, I would say, is the being connected to your character or, you know, feeling in touch with the world in some way, and you get none of that in Lineage to Revolution. And... And there's no sense of, there's zero sense of like getting stronger because you one shot, it, it's automated and, and it kills everything automatically anyway. Whereas you still feel like you're getting a little stronger. And you can argue about the, whether that strength actually matters because everything's easy anyway. But I don't know. It's take, it took my complaints about the modern day MRPGs to the extreme on mobile is my biggest concern. Like, but then again, what the hell do I know? This, these games are making a killing. Well, I was going to say, I bet you guys this game you're, sh- you're seeing right now 
it's, it makes more money, okay, than uh, Chronicles of Illyria, Camelot Unchained, uh, Shadow of the Avatar, um, The Crowfall, all combined. It's going to make more money than all those combined. Isn't that funny? <laughs> That is, it's it's remarkable. And again, I made the comparison when I talked about uh, Final Fantasy XIV in my Square Enix financial look video, and a game like, and a game like Game of War makes more money than what Final Fantasy XIV, Eleven, and Dragon Quest X, the three MMORPGs that Square Enix makes. That one mobile strategy game will make more money in one year than those three games will make in like three years. So like, it's insane. It's obviously the money is in mobile, but it just feels like, I don't know. Like, I I couldn't. I couldn't really stay connected with Lineage to Revolution. Like, and like, I want to play a mobile MRPG. Like, I, I want to play a mobile game because I don't have any mobile games to play right now. I used to play well, Clash Royale when I, when I went out for a walk, and now I got nothing to play because I don't play that anymore. You are, you're in luck. Uh, the same guys have made this game, Netmarble. They actually have a slew of other uh, mobile MMORPGs in the works. One of them is Terra M. So if you want to play Terra on your phone, you're in luck. You can play it. It actually looks pretty good. I'm showing a trailer now. Uh, I want to say it looks no worse than Terra. Maybe maybe it's not fair, though, because it's been a while since I played Terra. Mm-hmm. Oh, look. These games graphically are definitely not bad. I, Arcage, the Arcade mobile game wasn't bad either, visually. But just, I don't know. Having played, and especially recently, being so invested in a PCM RPG, the experience is not the same. It's really not. Like... It's a totally different. It's night and day experience between PC and mobile. Like I understand the allure of like some of the like Fate Grand Order, for example, or some of the the Gacha Hero collecting games. It's much more casual. But like I feel like when it, when you call it an MMORPG, I think a lot of people have different expectations, and expectations on an MMORPG are just not what I'm seeing in Lineage to Revolution or any of those games. All right. What about what about what about Icarus M? All right, guys. If ta- if, if Terra M wasn't enough for you, let's try uh, let's try some Icarus M. Huh? What do you think of this one, Omar? Uh, again, visually they look pretty good. That's that's really what I can tell you. The visually they look pretty good, and I don't like um, the trailers are very hard to gauge. Every trailer ever for a mobile game looks like fucking really cool, right? But they're showing gameplay. I, I, yeah, I remember the, I know the first but generation gameplay, of mobile games. Right, the first generation mm-hmm. of mobile games, none of them showed gameplay. They all, all do you cinematic. see that? Do you see that button in between to the right of the control stick in the video you're showing? Yeah, that's like with the light going in circles. That's the autoplay button. Mm-hmm. I know where it is. It's the same location in every one of these mobile games. And what this is is it's it looks like a stage based game too. So Rise of Icarus itself is a is a persistent world, seamless, you know, MMORPG. This game, I'm pretty sure, based on what I'm seeing in the video, these look like stages. So you're thinking, you're looking at something like Soul Worker, you're looking at something like uh, DFO, where you just enter a dungeon and your characters run forward and all just grinds all the stuff together. And there's probably, I'm hoping there's a hub world where you can actually see other players. But very often, in a lot of these mobile games, you just see like this interface, and there's no actual hub world. It's like a, it's like just a menu. We upgrade your gear and shit like that. But I'm seeing you. You are playing with other people, though, which is kind of cool right from the get-go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are other people. Like, but, again, yeah. I can't tell if it's an open world or not. Um, yeah, you're right. It, it, if I had to guess, I think you're right. I think it's it's just stage-based. stage, stage based. Yeah, and you can see in the video, too. Yeah, it, it's... I mean, there, there's some cool flying scenes, too. I'm curious to see how it's going to do, but the autoplay is is weird. It's just really, really weird. And I, I haven't quite gotten, my, gotten a hold of that. I've you know, wrapped my head around that one just yet and, like, why so many games are doing this. And they are successful, though, so... It's weird. Uh, uh, one more, one more mobile game, guys. Overhit. Okay, this is a new game by Nexon, mm-hmm. which is in development currently. We're probably not going to see this in the U.S. till 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one looks to me like a turn-based uh, MMORPG. So. I mean, it looks kind of like Arcade M. Then 
yeah. arcade mobile. But like honestly, of all these mobile games, Black Desert Mobile looks kind of decent because one is Black Desert and it looked really cool in the trailers. But again, I do I stopped getting hype over trailers. Trailers are always unbelievably overhyping a game. Even the closest trailer looked way cooler than it actually was, and that was a PCM RPG. So I don't know. Trailers are always misleading. Wait till the game comes out, get your hands on it, and then try it. But these trailers are always like made to look mega cool. They got this. They got the music working. These trailers just marketing, and they they typically work really well. But that's why I can't judge a game based on on trailers anymore. All right. All right. All right. Uh, all right. I want to talk a little bit about two games that we are going to lose preemptively before they even had a chance to really come out on PC. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, you want to? Which one do you want to start with? I'll let you pick. All right. Let's start with. Uh, let's start with. Amazing Eternals. Okay, all right. So, are you played this? First of all, what's the news? Tell me the news. All right, Amazing Eternals is a game by Digital Extremes. It's a it's a hero shooter, and it's shutting down. Uh, no surprise, really. I mean, first of all, it was a bit bizarre that Digital Extremes, the guys behind Warframe, a very successful MMO, by the way, an unbelievably successful, still growing MMO, diverted resources away from Warframe or hired a new team to work on uh, this game called The Amazing Eternals. Like, wait a minute, Overwatch is making this hero shooter. Holy shit, we got, we got to get in on that. So they made Amazing Eternals. And while the core game is, the, 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 rather the art aesthetic was kind of cool, I d- didn't particularly think the game felt very smooth. It felt very janky. And right away, I think when a game feels very, like, it didn't feel great. The movement, the aiming, the jumping, it just felt janky. And that's like a, a death sign for a game for me. If a game doesn't feel buttery smooth from the get-go, it's, it's hold on, not hold good. On. I, okay, first of all, I, I think the reason this game did badly is because we already have hero shooters. We have Overwatch. There's no yeah. more room for it in the market. I don't. Well, Overwatch is by to play. This is free to play. Paladin is also a free to play version, though. It doesn't matter. Uh, again, Overwatch's popularity, I think, is a is a sign that free to play is a little overrated. But Paladin is doing well. That's true. Paladin is doing well. But here's the thing. I was trying to get at. You said the gun. Do you say it didn't feel? It felt a little janky. Yes. But how is how did PUBG blow up so fast? Because that game, to me, when especially when it first you know became early access, it felt so janky. It, it did, but the point was it was a fun game, and I actually played it. I played I played PUBG a lot in, be- in uh, closed beta, despite it feeling janky, because the game was fun. So our- you, you you can carry the jankiness. I mean, you you can carry it. It's doable. Okay, okay. If the core okay, gameplay okay. is truly amazing and fun. Uh, this didn't really offer anything too unique. This was just another hero shooter mm-hmm. on the vein of uh so of Paladins. Someone chatted a good good line. So do you think if they shut down Amazing Eternals and then relaunch it as a battle uh battle royale style game, they'll do better? Yeah, of course. Use the assets and just make the maps bigger. Oh, yeah, def- that'd definitely. Be, that'd be pretty funny. <laughs> 100%. Battle Royale is in. Gotta do it now. <laughs> Gotta ride that PUBG uh, bandwagon. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, a lot of those early WoW clones on the MMORPG front, games like Runes, uh, Runes of Magic, Allods Online, you know, these games made a lot of money. Like, Rune, Runes of Magic was, uh, was a pretty shameless WoW clone. Like, they copied the art completely and, and the feel of the game completely. I mean, Runes of Magic wasn't bad. It wasn't great either, but because it was a free-to-play WoW clone, it did really well. It didn't have, it didn't have to do anything too original. It did have the unique uh, dual-classing system, which kind of worked well for it. I mean, I think the guys that made Runes of Magic got bought out by another company, so like, copying a successful game works. All right. Uh, what's next, Omar? Let's talk about another game that also shut down, which I think it's kind of similar to Amazing Eternals, mm-hmm. and that is Breakaway. Amazon's Breakaway. I, I was getting emails like every other day for this game. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I played it, it was so boring. It just, it, it was confusing. You know, I had no idea what kind of game it was trying to be. It was like an arena uh, brawler, like Battle Royale. But then there was like mm-hmm. a, there were objectives, captured a flag. There's a football in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it just had too much going on. Um, so I'm not surprised to see it go. No, I, I, I didn't know anybody who was interested in this game. 
No, not one person. Who was looking not forward one person to this? was hyped about it. It's I don't know. What were they thinking? I mean, at least the, the only positive takeaway is that one well, nobody got there. There was no news of layoffs. So arguably, those people that are working on Breakaway are now working on the Amazon Game Studios MMORPG, uh, New World, which is again we don't know too much about it. All we know is it's a it's an MMORPG that Amazon's working on. So those resources are going towards an MMORPG now instead of just another uh, MOBA style game. So that's the positive takeaway from this. But yeah, this game was. It was very jank. It was I don't know. It was very confusing. I, I didn't really, from the get go. I I I knew it wasn't gonna go anywhere. I mean, I, my gut isn't always right. I I knew from the get go, PUBG would be would, would do really well. I knew Hearthstone would do really well. I knew uh, Lawbreakers would do, would do really shittily. Like I feel like my guys were pretty accurate in a lot of these games. I knew this was a, that that was a that was a no go. This was a stinker. That was a stinker. It was obvious from the get go. Anyone that played the alpha, it was obvious. So are you, are you are you optimistic on Amazon's involvement in gaming? I know they bought Twitch. You guys know that. That was a great purchase for them. But they also paid a lot of money to Crytek, the guys who make the CryEngine. Mm-hmm. And basically, that allowed them to do their own little spin-off of CryEngine, and they call it Lumberyard. And apparently, uh, Breakaway was supposed to be like their showpiece game to show off not only their game design and game studio, but also what you can do with their engine. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know if it left a good first impression. The game didn't feel super smooth. It wasn't particularly fun. The game design was, you know, confusing, you know, cluttered. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Not a good showing for Amazon for their first uh, product. When you anyone that played Breakaway would maybe understand, but like in Breakaway, again, if you watch the video, you think, what the hell is going on? Like there are people killing each other. There's there's like there's objectives on the arena. There's a there's a ball you toss around. There's kills on the board. Like you get stronger and level up. It's an unbelievably confusing game coming from a guy who's been playing MOBAs since Dota 1 for like over 10 years. Like, and every game I played, like 90% of the games I played, the ball sits in the middle, everyone ignores the ball and just kills each other. Like the immediate reaction for the average player was to just ignore the objective of the ball and just start killing each other. That, that was the fun part. Passing that stupid ball around was not fun. And that's why most people just ignored the ball. Like they didn't even know what to do with the ball. They were just, and there was a tutorial too. I think it was mandatory. But like people just ignored the ball and just killed each other. Because that's what you <laughs> That's what we did. When you're, in a, when you're in an arena and there's people next to you and you have a sword, you're going to go shoot, you're going to go kill them. The ball just made it confusing. It's a very weird design. I, I see what they tried to do. They wanted to, make, they wanted to combine like Rocket League with, battle, with a Battle Right maybe. Like, I see what they were trying to do, but sometimes you got to design something to be very simple. And you can't have too many moving goals and objectives happening at once. Otherwise, it gets very confusing. And if, as for some way that played MOBAs forever, it was confusing for me. I felt like an idiot sometimes playing that game because... I just wanted to kill people. I had to fight my instinctive urge. Like the game is like the fun. The, the the only fun part and the redeeming fun part of that game was killing people. Why take me away from the fun part to do something that's not fun, which is passing the stupid ball around? Yep, it's such a weird design decision. It was so okay. So Amazon and uh, made a deal with Crytek back in 2015, and they mm-hmm. paid around between 50 and 70 million dollars. Okay, for the right to use the engine, spin it off. Wow. And currently, there are four games that are using the Lumberyard engine. Breakaway was one. It's gone now. Mm-hmm. There's something called the DRG Initiative. Never heard of it. Never heard of it either. There's one kind of called Everywhere. Never heard of that either. And, Star and Citizen, Star baby. Citizen. Yeah, there it is. The big one. Yeah. So it's never gonna come out. Though, this does so not. Matter. This does not. You know, it's not a good omen for. Uh, for Lumberyard here, the, the the first game and the latest game to use the engine are just you know. Frozen. I do think I do think what Amazon wants to do is get um, get a lot of the MRPG companies to rely on them for technology and infrastructure. I think it's very important because uh, MRPG like Final Fantasy fourteen even the, the the server infrastructure is is very interesting and weird. They don't they have very old school format with individual servers. They have data centers to connect those servers, 
But it's weird that other games don't follow the model of Black Desert with having one seamless mega server with channels for regions where you can easily switch between them. That seems like a very win-win situation where like, it's just a better system for everyone. And I think it's easier to maintain as well if you use a, you know, maybe a cloud infrastructure provider like Amazon with Amazon Cloud. But I mean, if Amazon can get their hands on the back end and get more RPGs to rely on them to handle the, the cloud infrastructure, it would be a net win for everyone. Just being able to, I, my dream in an MMORPG is just to be able to play on every server at once. If I switch between the servers at will. It's so weird that I can't play with some of my friends who are on different servers and they can't play with me simply because we are on different servers. And that's a weird restriction. They have server transfers already. Like The idea of going from one server to the other already exists. Why not build that into channels? I think the problem with that is the infrastructure is built very old school. Everyone's been following the the model we've seen since World of Warcraft, since EverQuest, with I, individual servers. I just want to say, I think it's it's not a matter of being old or new, okay? It's just a matter of being competent or not. So EVE Online had one server, and it came mm-hmm. out before WoW, 2003. But Ru- EVE Online Ru- is basically on. like specs Ru- of dust. And RuneScape, the- okay, let you switch servers at will. Like oh, Basically, servers were channels in RuneScape. It's your character mm-hmm. that had the... Uh, uh, you know that's true too. So this is not like a new thing having like a one server or being able to you know switch servers. This is not a new thing. It's just for whatever reason some companies just can't do it. A lot of companies can't do it apparently. Uh, Guild Wars Two has has mega servers. Elder Scrolls Online has mega servers. Path of Exile yeah, uh, has, you know, has it. Um, well, that's like a different kind of game, but still, it's very doable. I don't think Final Fantasy is an excuse for this. I guess not. I, I've been, I, I mean, what's weird is I, I talk about it a lot on the FF Final Fantasy XV uh, like subreddit, and when I bring up the suggestion, people are like, oh, you don't understand. That's, that's impossible. You can't do it. I'm like, dude, other games have done it. But like, people are very quick to defend Square Enix like as if, like, of course, if it was doable, they would have done it already. But like, I, I, I think they're just dedicating the resources elsewhere, and I think monetization plays a role as well. I mean, people, they make a lot of money on server transfers. People do transfer. I, I've had friends that I've seen transfer like four or five times in the span of a year. And that's like every time they're paying up to do that. So I think it's a good – they have a financial incentive to not allow those channels. Okay, you know who the worst offender is? Hmm. World of Warcraft. Okay, so World of Warcraft, they did all this shit over the years where they, they don't merge servers, but they like group them together. So you like you can queue with people in the same – Final Fantasy does that as well, yeah. Okay, but the thing is uh, over the years, there's so many servers now for WoW, and most of them are empty. Here, I'm, I'm going to – I'm going to show you the server list, guys. This is a server list just in, in America, North America, so not Europe mm-hmm. or Asia. Okay, so I'm just going to go in order here. These are just the A's, the B's. The C's. You guys, are you guys seeing this? So it, There's a lot of servers. If a new player opens WoW today, and he, he just he just thrown this list of hundreds of servers, literally hundreds. And if he makes the wrong choice, he's, he's fucked because so many of these are empty. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to say 90% of these are like not playable population-wise. I'm, That's crazy. So, like, they should really merge these and get rid of this. It, not, I get like if you have twenty servers, don't make them ten, or if you have ten, don't make it five. Whatever. Like that. That's a cosmetic decision. But if you have a hundred, two hundred servers, there's no reason for that. I agree. And again, having the MMORPG experience. Again, I, I've made this argument a lot with people. I think people play MMORPGs for a lot more than just the core gameplay. I mean, the core combat is only one aspect of an MMORPG. If I want to experience gameplay mechanics, I play a MOBA or a shooter where mechanics are everything. When I play a, an MMORPG, it's, it's so much more. And the community and the world are so important. So it seems so weird to see so many games shooting themselves in the foot with having all these servers and dead servers. Like, if a new player plays Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy 14 yeah, today, same thing. and he's recommended a shit-tier empty server, which he's going to be, right? Because the, the, the two busiest servers 
Balmung and Gilgamesh, you can't even play there anymore because they're so busy. They won't let people cannot even transfer in there if they're willing to pay. If they get recommended a random ass empty server with very few people online, the experience is totally different. Totally different. And I, I don't think I would play if, if I couldn't make a character on Gilgamesh and experience a true like busy world. I don't think I'd be playing Final Fantasy XIV right now. There you go. It's just weird. Uh, I, I, I know I've mentioned this before, but I had the exact same feeling in Star Wars: The Old Republic. I, I reinstalled it after years to try to play it again, uh, but my server, the Bastion, happened to be one of the dead ones. So I played it for like a day, and I just gave up because there was there was nobody to play with. It was an empty server. Uh, luckily, they are going to merge servers next month, and because of that, I will be playing the game again. So that'd be fun. What's funny is something the chat has mentioned: never play on the recommended servers. They're a trap, and that's hilarious because they are traps. The, the servers are recommended for one reason: because they're empty. The game is trying to get people to play on these empty-ass servers, which makes no sense. Why do you want to divert your possible customers into a server that's empty, which is uh, creates a worse gameplay experience? People, hey, it's insane. They're they're putting all their customers on, on empty servers that nobody wants to play on. It's uh. it's unheard of. <laughs> it's so weird. It's so bizarre. It is. It is. It's, it just seems like bad business. Bad business. Now that we're on the topic of Final Fantasy fourteen, though, I got all I, I right. got to talk about some, right. some, some, some shit going on. All right, talk talk to me. All right, I'm talking to you. We mentioned the unending coil of Bahamut last week. It just launched, I think, like a day ago before a previous podcast, and I said nobody cleared it, and the best people got into were just the third boss in the fight. So Ultimate Coil of Bahamut in Final Fantasy XIV, quick refresher, is the latest uh, raid in the game. It's ultimate tier raid, the hardest difficulty in the game. They made, something, they made it intentionally difficult, right? They wanted this to cater towards the world's first crowd, the very elite, the stuff we talk about a lot in this podcast, like... Elite content that not everyone can do, content that nobody can clear, and they added something in the game that so far, up until up till this podcast, no one has cleared. In fact, there are there are raid guilds, raid groups, like five or six big groups that are streaming nonstop trying to beat this boss, and they have been unable to clear it for the whole week so far, about about eight days, nine days so far. And the be- interestingly enough, though, it's three fights. Everyone, get, the, all the, all the good groups have gone to the third fight already. But interestingly enough, on the third fight, nobody seems to get past like. 70 percent 70 hp remaining on the on the final boss and everyone's wiping and this is after a week of doing this nonstop, which is insane and i think i think this content is unbelievably great for the final fantasy community and the entire scene and the entire game i think i think the amount of casuals and mid-core players that will never complete this raid obviously it doesn't matter that they'll never complete this raid they are watching the streamers trying to compete this rate. It, it becomes a form of entertainment where everyone's like talking about strats. Even the people that can't get here, right? They try to analyze the fights and figure out what's going on. People that will never mechanically make it. They have something to look forward to and see other people trying to do. It became a really inter- interesting spectacle. In fact, there are um, the scene you're seeing right now in the background is where people are wiping right about now anyway in, in the fight on, on Bahamut. But it became such a spectacle that uh, on our, our Final Fantasy XIV, there's actually a, a mega thread discussing it. And this mega thread is... It, it has, this mega thread has had more views than any other thread in the entire subreddit. In fact, the Stormblood mega uh, launch thread, which was the next most popular, had about 52,000 views, right? This thread has about, about 200,000 views already. And this is content that caters to less than 1% of the player base. You know, Omega 4, which is the content I just cleared this last week, is maybe like 5 to 10% of the player base will ever clear it. Maybe less than, probably less than 10% will ever clear it. This is content probably less than 1% will ever clear and to this date, again, to the, this last nine days or so, everyone's gr- a lot of tryhard groups have been grinding this, and no one can get the boss past seventy percent. At least people are streaming, and it, I think it's phenomenal. Just just seeing this in the game, 
And seeing people stay logged in and trying to grind this, it makes the world feel more alive. There's this really cool objective you can do. And it's just this this amazing aspirational content because if you go to uh, where all they, 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 you can trade your tokens in for, for raid gear, you can actually see the, the loot he drops. Everyone that kills this boss gets a token. And the token is can be traded for a weapon, a rare weapon that you only get from killing this boss. It's a golden weapon. It looks, it looks freaking amazing. And everyone is drooling at the NPCs like, holy shit, I want to get those rare weapons. I want those golden big dick weapons. Are they, but are nobody they, can have them. Are they better than the current? Are they best in slot? Yes, because they basically have the same stats as the current best in slot, but they have one additional uh, material slot, so one additional upgrade slot. Okay. So that extra upgrade, it's not a huge difference. The raid gear, like the best in slot, the like pretty decent casual gear has never been a big difference, but it is best in slot, but more important, they look amazing. They look like everyone is drooling over this. This is stuff people are wishing they can have, and this is what I want. I want a game where I can, there's something I can't have, and I can't have this right now, and it's fucking amazing. It, I, haven't, I haven't felt this way about MRPs in a long time. Alright, alright, nice. I am very passionately interested. I look and then I think I think there's unbelievable importance in, in uh in terms of wanting things that you can't have. For the last week, for the last like four or five days, I've been I've been pugging uh Omega Four, which is the, the second highest difficult content in the game right now, beyond the ultimate coil which no one has completed. I, I did finally do it this last week though, and I, I did it pretty poorly because my group uh you know, this was my first time clearing it. Let me share a quick link. Uh, it's it's not great, but this website tracks your performance relative to other classes. I was at a 34% parse. Again, not good. First time clearing it. It's whatever. I'm not doing this for, you know, I wasn't trying to get the most DPS out there. But this means of everyone that cleared this that cleared this fight, I was in the 34th percentile. Again, bottom half of people that cleared this for my class. Again, not good, but that's where I'm right now. I'm sure next week I'll do even better. But after I complete this content, I've been doing, I've been playing maybe, eight, I play, play, I've been playing 12 hours a day doing this content. And it was it was some of the most fun I've had playing an MMORPG in a long time. Some of the most fun I've had, just wiping, playing with shit-tier groups that people are making mistakes left and right, and just, just trying to get past this fight and just doing it was amazingly fun for me. And after I beat it, it felt great, but I felt like I lost something after I beat it. Like, I don't have this thing anymore that I can work towards. And the only thing I can, I can work towards now is this uh, ultimate... Bahamut fight, which which is very difficult. That world's first groups have not cleared it yet, so the odds of me clearing it are, are slim to none. But I'm still going to try. All right, uh, but here's the funny thing, Omar. Mm. I, I'll just wait like one more expansion, then I'll just solo it. Yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, that's the thing too. You can eventually be able to. I'm hoping actually that they 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 preserve the epicness of this fight, and they can they do they can do so by making it so you cannot queue for this. Like, you can require players to uh, sync for it. They can sync you down to level oh. seventy, and they can sync your item level down as well. And in fact, new content doesn't let you sync. Uh, you have to do it, you know, with the with the sync. When when it gets old, you can eventually do it unsynced. So I'm hoping they can preserve this as this epic fight, that you know, a big dick fight that only certain a certain elite few can fix. And this kind of segues into our discussion we had last week about content for like one percent of players. And you were arguing a lot that um, you were defending the casual to a degree that this one percent content doesn't add to the experience of most casuals. But I think if you look at the numbers of people following this fight or following the streamers doing this fight it really creates a spectacle for casuals and mid-core players that even though the content isn't designed for them which it clearly is not it still adds so much to the game okay but my my, my point was this is an arms race you can't win because yes it did it provide eight days of entertainment yes but um like you said they're on the third boss of, of, of three now right yes and they got it they're getting it down to 70 percent it seems so that's nothing 
Okay. Third boss, the hardest fight, and they're, they're nowhere near beating so it. So by next week, it, they'll probably have it done. Do you think it'll be done by next week? I say no. You say no? I say no. Okay, I'll say yes. Uh, what, right. what should we bet? Uh, we got to bet something. We got we to bet a dinner, a nice expensive dinner. Uh, how about we bet the other guy has to play a shitty game on Steam? All right, fine. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll figure out the details later. Okay, but okay. There'll, there'll, be, there'll be a fun bit on this. Uh, again, these these groups have been doing it nonstop. Uh, it also it's also pretty interesting how Twitch has impacted this whole uh, race, this competition between players as well, because several big guilds are streaming their attempts, right? And there are people out there with 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 groups trying to beat this, right? That are keeping it very secretive, right? There are people that don't stream anything because they want to give away their strats. Yeah, I figured that that probably that's probably the best way to do it. I'm actually surprised so many teams were streaming their progress, you know, live because mm-hmm. you know they're. What, you know, people can just learn, you know, from their mistakes. They can learn uh, how to get to the third boss, even though it's probably figured out by now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Th- do you think that people who down it are going to be one of the streaming crew, or is it going to be like a, a private group? It might be a private group actually, because uh, yeah. a lot of the big streamer groups, uh, they, they took a break this last weekend because they've been playing it nonstop, and a lot of them do have work, right? Like they have to work to feed themselves. But there's there are groups that are just unemployed people playing this nonstop, and they might be the ones to clear it first because they have the time for it. It should be interesting who ends up clearing it, but it's. I think it adds just so much. It's interesting. It's interesting dynamic to the game and the way we're seeing it being put on Twitch, with people trying to keep their secrets, other people just doing it live. It's super neat, and I, I've been following it a lot myself too. And it's all the fights I've done in the game so far have been like they're they're already guides for the fights I've done. Like almost all the there are videos explaining where you stand, what you do, how the mechanics work. But as you watch these streamers get to points in the fight that no one's ever been to, it's amazing. Like they have to try reacting to what's happening without knowing what's going to happen, and the reaction times and the it's so merciless that like if you if you're off by 0.5 seconds, you just die and you might wipe the whole raid to a mechanic you've never even seen before. So it's it's a whole other ball game. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Guys. All right. So uh, that's a, uh, someone recommended that we we put the game, shitty game to play to a vote uh next week mm-hmm. so we'll do that then so whoever loses uh next week we will uh we'll put a straw poll for one shitty game and then that per- the other person has to play it during the post game now though the thing is too that what's interesting is uh yoshi p has said that if nobody clears this fight in like three weeks or something or four weeks i forgot what the exact time frame was they're gonna nerf it and make it easier really wow which i don't like because yeah. i think i think it's really interesting the way it's happening the way that the draw the events are unfolding right now that it's not necessary to nerf it. I mean, people don't have to clear it, and they shouldn't have to clear it. Yeah, that's weird. But but yeah, but then all the world's first people are still working on it, so I think four weeks, three weeks is still plenty of time. Hmm. Yeah, Yoshi P needs to stop. I agree. I think I think the fight is great as is. I remember and, in the original WoW, uh, an expan- the first expansion, Burning Crusade. Some some bosses took months for the first you know uh, kill. Very few, unfortunately, very few, it, it, especially with recent MRPGs. Oh, recently, yeah. A lot of new content and new raid content and hardest tier content. I think it was in um, it was in uh, Legion as well and Final Fantasy fourteen. I think they all get cleared in one day, 20, less than twenty four hours for the, the for most of the content. So seeing some content that takes such a long time to clear is great. I think some of the Alexander fights pre nerfed, people just couldn't clear for a long time as well. So once in a while, you do get some really hard content, and it's really great to see in the game. Do you think that what with, with how merciless the uh, <clears throat> the timers are for the mechanics in this fight? Do you think ping actually matters in this, like, significantly? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's such a big deal. I used to, I used to play Final Fantasy XIV from Turkey, 
and the well, ping was like 150 to 100. It was unplayable. That's obvious. But I'm saying like, so the server you're on, Gilgamesh, is it a, is it a West or East server? It's it's in California. All all the oh. servers are in California. In the all US, the servers are in California. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Which is weird because you'd yeah. think they put it in like Chicago or somewhere so, in the Midwest. So then, don't California players have an advantage over, let's say, 100 play, players in Maine or of course or New York? Big difference. Yeah, the ping fun. makes a big difference. That's pretty funny. <laughs> and yeah, the reaction speed does matter a lot. The, the extra you know 50 ping. You got to you got to get out of the telegraphs. The telegraphs in this fight are particularly fast. The regular fights are you know pretty pretty generous, but these are these are unbelievable. But yeah, I've been hooked on FF14 this last week, so seeing this fight and the way it's been evolving has been quite entertaining for me as a Final Fantasy 14 player. All right, well uh, we'll see you next week if they can clear it or not. But wave it up to last this this last week. Still playing some Path of Exile. Playing Path of Exile. Um, I'm deciding whether I want to buy Destiny 2. Okay, so that's a big. Okay, so that's the thing. It's such a big mm-hmm. game that I kind of feel like I want to play it just so I know like what's going on. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, it's actually not doing that hot. It's not keeping its players. We don't have numbers yet for the PC version, but I think I talked. I mentioned last week that the concurrent player numbers for Destiny 2 on console it peaked around 3.7 million, and then they mm-hmm. fell uh, to around 1.9 million. Which obviously 1.9 million concurrent players is still huge, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not like it's not PUBG huge. Uh-huh. No. So, what do you think? Is this going to be like a huge letdown of the year, or is this is it, is it going to be a smashing success regardless? I think it will be a success financially, but I think it's based on what we've seen. It everyone's calling it casual too. They're saying it's too casual. So, I think it'll be a financial success. But I, the decision that they've made to get rid of the difficulty options and dumb down the game to a, a mass appeal, it's I I don't know. I I just fundamentally disagree with it in in, in every design. Like, I get the need to make a game. Easier. I get the need of making a game appeal to the widest possible audience, but why are they alienating their midcore and hardcore player base? Because even though midcore and hardcore, but I've used midcore a lot this podcast. I feel like I just made this term up, but like, you know, the above average, somewhat tryhard players that are not like super tryhard, those guys are maybe like ten percent of the pop- is player base. I agree, it's, it's not a huge number, but why alienate them? Why, why not make the default setting easy and then make it some harder stuff in the game for the people that do want to have a harder experiences and more difficult challenges? I'm, I'm actually against difficulty settings. I, how, how else can you cater to everyone? Okay, have, have, here's what I would do. I make the mainline story easy, but then I'd have optional like levels or whatever you want to call them, like areas mm-hmm. that are very difficult. That's not bad either. I'm okay yeah, with that as well yeah. in principle. The mainline story can be easy, but I still don't like the fact that the mainline story in World of Warcraft and and Final Fantasy fourteen are just unbelievably easy yeah, either. But, but those don't have settings either. Like uh, WoW used to be hard when it came out. I, I don't know how old you guys are, but I remember wiping just leveling. Yeah, nice. No, no, just no, no. Oh, yeah, not, you're right. Not, not yeah, even dungeons. Right. I remember just in the world leveling, like solo grinding off world mobs. Not not even like instance dungeons or anything. I I die sometimes. Like if I pull too many or if there's a patrol behind me, I just I, I would die. You know, they would root me. They would kill me. And then I had to spend like five ten minutes. Running back to my corpse. That was a thing. It happened. And it happened in EverQuest. It happened in WoW. It doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> Which is unfortunate because without without death and punishment, rewards feel meaningless. And I, I that's probably the biggest point I want to drive home personally with my experience with MRPGs. And honestly, Final Fantasy XIV did not feel rewarding at all for me. So I enjoyed some bits of the story. It has some some parts of really great writing. Other parts, unbelievably bad writing. But it didn't feel rewarding until I started getting challenging content where rewards and success actually meant something and my next spell that i like the way i, I got the max low in final fantasy uh, 14 playing like a retard and i know that's not a pc term anymore but like i would just use the most basic unbelievably bad rotation because it didn't matter i didn't learn how to play my class upgrade my gear didn't matter because i couldn't lose 
like you can't die in fights, so it doesn't matter. It was only that I actually when I actually start running to the savage content where something's actually somewhat difficult, did getting new gear feel like holy shit, like this is fun. Upgrade my gear felt fun after I felt challenging, felt challenges. Getting new skills and abilities feel meaningless when there's nothing to overcome with those new skills and abilities. And I feel like that's kind of lost in a lot of games. But clearly people enjoy feeling like gods and not being able to die. That's why Destiny 2 is going to sell a lot of copies. And all these other games, doing, all these casual mobile games are doing well too. So clearly I'm in the minority. My point is you have to be able to capture the mid-core and hardcore players as well. Oh, FG3000, shout out a good line. Do you guys ever think that maybe you're too good at games? No, seriously. How in the world do you make games for new players and people who have been playing for 20 plus years? That is a really good question. First, I'll answer the first part. I don't think I'm too good at games. Uh, I, I don't know. There are games I still die on. I've been streaming some, you know, uh, Cuphead, right? I'm like 30% through the game. But I, I mean, you guys, those of you who watch, I die a lot. You know? And then, like, then eventually I learn the boss and I, I, get, I get to the next level. So I don't think, um, I don't think I'm too good. Uh, but I think it is the case that the games have gotten easier. Like, I think no, it's, th- yeah. th- that's a good point as well. I think our forget forget too good, right? I do think I think most people watching the stream, for example, too, right now. I think other people that still follow a lot of these traditional PCM RPGs. I think a lot of us are generally more hardcore than the average player base. First of all, if you're watching streams uh, on Twitch about MMORPGs, you're already in the top like twenty percent. Oh, like, now hardcore. you agree with me? No, twenty the top twenty percent. Okay, not okay. you know. But, that's but, what I'm saying. but if you have Discord installed, now you're now you're top ten. No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but. So if you're following this discussion, you are already probably well above the average. The average, the average casual WoW player, the average casual Final Fantasy XIV player, Guild Wars 2 player, they don't talk about games on forums really. They just play on like the, they'll just play for a couple hours here and there. They're not really going on forums or Reddits and discussing these Reddits. things. Okay, it's, they're they're just they're just doing their thing and playing and and you know. So if you're talking about these issues and they mean something to you, you already care more about the game than most people. If you care more about the game, you're most likely in a more you know more experienced player as well. Okay, I'm going back to my PC elitism. I think the fact that Destiny 2 is a console game is what makes it... Is the average console player, I feel, is, you know, they're targeting a much broader audience, like like old people who want to play Destiny. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's easy. I think if this came out on PC, it would be harder if it was a PC-only game. Maybe. Uh, so I met, uh, FT3 has a good point, too. I tried to get my girlfriend to play WoW, and she struggled with things I never even considered. Okay, there's, 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 two, there's two parts to that. One, WoW was made in 2004, okay? Mm-hmm. I think we've made a lot of progress uh, on UI since then. So I agree. An old game like WoW, I, I don't know how you can get new players into it without just making it super easy, like difficulty-wise for the mobs, or just redoing the whole engine. Like they got to release like WoW 2.0 as like an expansion and just completely redo the UI and everything. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm going to give your girlfriend a pass on that. Uh, just because that UI is archaic and it was made for people who grew up playing like, you know, EverQuest and stuff. Okay, and I do want to say, I don't think it's a problem for um, for games like WoW and Final Fantasy XIV to have easy mainline story content as well. I don't think it's necessarily the end of the world if you have a game where all the story content and main dungeons are brain dead easy. Just have something for players and mid-core players to work towards, strive towards. Honestly, I feel like if I could just take Final Fantasy XIV or even World of Warcraft and add some, you know, Big picture design decisions. I could create my perfect MMORPG pretty easily. So then you should never, you should not have a problem with Destiny then, because that's basically you describe Destiny. The, the campaign is brain dead easy, but there are difficult raids. All right, if there are difficult raids, yeah. it should be better. It should, but why get rid of the difficulty option though? If you want to make the campaign harder, like they had it built into Destiny One. Yeah. 
why get? I, th- I think they got rid of it because their thought process. They don't want elitism. They don't want people to say like, oh, unless you beat on on like, hard mode, you suck. They didn't want people saying that. I think that's the reason they got rid of it. Maybe I don't know if the, I don't know. I, I I don't know. I, I again, like I said, maybe just, they just think that difficulty settings are a bad game design, which I do agree. For but literally, game, so every FPS game has like difficulty. Almost every no, FPS game has story driven FPS games have it. Yeah, but not no, but but not no always on game really has that, does it? Remember, uh, always on like MMO style game. I don't, I don't think they have difficulty settings. No, but again, Destiny One had it. You had that in Destiny One. Okay. And people are saying the the raids aren't difficult in, in Destiny either. I haven't I haven't I haven't tried it yet, so I can't I can't say. But I was hoping the raids were difficult. Mm-hmm. I played uh I played Hand Simulator this last week. That's a difficult game. Have you heard of that one? No. What is that? Uh, it's basically Quop, but like you have it's it's a really silly stupid game. Do you have, but, you have a video for it? Uh, I mean, let me find one real quick. But uh, okay. you have four people uh sitting on a table. I uh, look at the Steam page, and you have to basically try pick up the gun with your hand and then uh and then shooting the other players on the table and putting a bullet inside of it and it's got like really really janky controls like uh like quap it's it's a really silly game but i don't know why it's uh it's it's, it's a fun one maybe we should play it sometime uh can't find a video right now but it's it's it's, it's a treat i think a lot of streamers were, were playing it in the last uh, couple called weeks hand simulator yeah hand, uh, i think hand simulator all right all right you know what i'll find a video right this here. is a real this is a real hardcore experience here i'll look at you i got you fam this is this. You're a hardcore game. You play Hand Simulator, right? Look at this nonsense. This is it's a 99 cent game. All right, so if you don't like it, you can uh, you can just refund it anyway to get your 99 cents back. So you got a is this like VR or something or is it just no? It's not. It's not VR. Okay. The point is the controls are unbelievably bad. Like you have to like move your hand, pick up this gun, and like you just knock it away half the time and try to like pick up a bullet and fitting inside the chamber. You need to fidget with the controls. It, it's really a battle with the controls. It actually looks pretty good. I like it. it, it it's hilarious. And look, look at the look at, look at the, the video is perfect for it too. Like people trying to poke like where to like, get to pull the trigger somehow. <laughs> it's uh, this is this is this is quite a game. I like their icon as a fidget simula- fidget spinner as well. Quite exciting. Well, I'll, let me tell you. Again, Riveting. I'm, I'm excited about this. This. What are you excited about? I'm excited about Dota. It's been a long time since I was excited about Dota, but we have a new expansion, a new update finally coming, and. It's gonna add not one but two new heroes. So what do you think? Finally, about? yeah. Are these are the first new heroes to Dota two, like in forever. These are the okay. So Dota two in its entire history has only had three heroes that were not in Dota one. So the Monkey King and now these two. So wow. In all these years, I think it's been over like five. It's been like ten. It's been like twenty uh, five, six years since Dota two has been playable. Uh, and we have three new heroes total. Well, wow. that's that's pretty interesting that it took him so long to do it. But I think it goes back to the the philosophy of Steam just not wanting to hire more employees for some reason, even though their games do really well. So the new two new hero dudes are like this. I I feel like Valve is going down the furry line here. So they're both kind of like furry looking dudes. One is like a, a wolf guy, kind of looks like a kobold, uh, with a rapier, and the other one is like this fairy who's holding a a pixie or something, holding a lantern. I don't know. They look kind of gay to me, but. We'll see. All right, real talk. If Dota wants to save its player base, we need more waifus. Thoughts? I want more cute, either cute like anime girl characters ish or some busty character. We need more Lenas in there. We need some more Crystal Maidens, right? We need some more waifus. Not this furry nonsense. I agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah, look, I honestly think the waifus in League, League of Waifus, it, it really does bring in a lot of people. Like they like the art. They like the the characters. 
it, it's it, it you can say it's cringy, but like it does bring people in. Why doesn't why doesn't why doesn't Dota add more characters like Lena? Like it's just weird that they don't. Um, well, they are copying a few things from League this patch. Uh, rank seasons, so you mm-hmm. can show off your little you know you get the little medals, and everyone sees like your little medal during the loading screen. You know, mm-hmm. I like that. That's a good touch. Yeah, every six months there's gonna be a new season. Um, oh, and here's a fun one. For those of you who played Dota 1 back in the day, they're bringing back easy mode. They're going to be calling it turbo mode this time. Basically, it's a much quicker game where you get more experience and more gold. Towers have less health uh, and do less damage. And you can shop anywhere on the screen. So you can be on lane to start shopping. <laughs> what do you think of that? I do think it can make the game appeal to a broader audience. And I'm surprised it takes this long to add easy mode. I think, look, I'm not, I play League. I like League more. And I'm a, but I'm a big fan of Dota. I think watching Dota esports, watching the international, some of the, 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 my favorite esport to watch by far. It, it's unbelievably entertaining. Uh, the core game is remarkable, but it's got these a lot of very weird design decisions. I think that turn off new players from the game. A lot of weird design decisions. You have to know so much about Dota too before you can even begin approaching it. Like there are so many hidden mechanics in the game. They're not made obvious in any way, shape, or form. Uh, one that I've railed about quite a few times is the fact that. The way bottles work in the game is it's it's a, it's a bottle. When you're back in base, it fills up. You can drink it three times, and it gives you a heal every time you drink it. But like, that, it can only fill up when you're back in the base. But if you teleport out of base to a lane, you have the you have the base buff still on your character for like two seconds. That means if another player hands you their empty bottle, it fills up, even though you're not in base anymore. You're back in lane. And then he can drink another potion and just give it back to you and fill it up again. It's this really weird dynamic in the game that just has existed for such, such a long time that... They don't change or, or even address because it's a part. Of, it, there's so many weird mechanics in Dota 2 they, that just are counterintuitive. They may have fixed that this patch, actually, the bottle thing. I, 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 I'm gonna get, I'm gonna search for it in a second. But first, I want to highlight this ping wheel. Someone in chat already mentioned it, but how much like League of Legends does this ping wheel look like? It is identical. Yeah, yeah. definitely. They, they just literally they just straight up copied the League ping wheel. That's it's a great fun. touch, though. Honestly, there's no yeah. reason not to have it. Look, and it's not Ao Birch. Look, I love Dota 2 and I love watching Dota 2, but I think if they polished up some of the weird mechanics didn't have any explanations and didn't make any sense like people would drop items on the floor use a healing item and then pick it back up to like better heal themselves like they were you could abuse the way you drop items to save your like to give yourself more hp during a fight in such a weird way i'm just i personally think those mechanics create an atmosphere that's very weird and for mid-core or casual players to get into and i think dota 2 remains a hard should remain a hardcore game i love the amount of deaths in dota 2 if you watch an average game of League, there's like 16 deaths, like pro game. Average Dota 2 game has like 55 deaths plus. So there's like four times more action in Dota 2, which makes it a phenomenal game. The skill cap is so much higher, and it, that's why I think it's a great game. But they gotta get, they got to make it more appealing to the casuals as well. Otherwise, the game's player base is going to be just hardcore people left, and the game is not going to do well. They need waifus, too. Definitely need the waifus. <laughs> they put up a, a trailer, a cinematic trailer, in- introducing the new characters, but uh, it's something it's something too special. It just You just see some CGI dudes running around um, fighting each other. But I think Dota does need this. Uh, if you guys have been following the Dota player base numbers, uh, it is not... it is not Well, it's actually down right now, Dota. So I think the patch is going live uh, mm-hmm. tomorrow. But if you look at the player base numbers here, look. So... Last three days. Yeah. So October 2017, we got 466,000 players. The last time it was that low. So let's go. Let's go. Let's go look. 466. We have to go all the way down to. Oh man! Look. Okay. April 2014. So these numbers haven't been this bad since April 2014, which was only about a year after its official launch. After you know, like a couple of years in beta. 
So, hopefully this patch, you know, this patch has a lot of writing on it. It's got to get those numbers back up, you know, above 500k. And people talk about the need for the hardcore experience. I think Dota 2, without the bullshit mechanics I mentioned, is still a much more hardcore high skill cap game. I think you can have that. And as somebody that, you know, I enjoy some of the high, you know, I played Dota 2. I played a lot of League, and I played League on a very high level. I did play Dota 2 on a very high level, but at the time, I think I was at least top 10% with my MMR. But even then, I just didn't like some of the mechanics. It just felt odd and weird and didn't make any sense. Like, dropping items and stuff, some of those mechanics just felt really odd. And I think you can have a hardcore experience without having bullshit mechanics. And it, just, it does keep players away. And I, I want the game to succeed. I want more people to play Dota. Dota's a great game. I want it to keep growing. It's not going to die, but I think it's, it's just sad to see the player base decline, is what I'm trying to say. But don't worry, we have the Dota 2 card game coming out, guys. Don't oh worry. Oh, God. Artifact. <laughs> oh, no. no. I'm not too excited about that one. I wonder if they still have the uh, official video still up. Wait, is anyone hyped for Artifact, this Dota 2 card game? Like, why is everyone getting to this card game nonsense now? Everyone and their mother is making a, a CCG now. I want to show you guys the saddest uh, like-to-dislike ratio ever. Okay, so Artifact Teaser. This is the Dota 2-based card game that Valve announced. Um, look at the like-to-dislike ratio, guys. I've never seen one this bad. It's pretty bad. I can barely see this blue line. <laughs> It's because it's so cringe. Why are they working on this? Like, first of all, anyone, it, what's insane is that Dota 2 needs more love as is. Why are they diverting resources away from Dota 2 to work on this card game that's years late to the, the hype wagon anyway? Like, it may, it's so weird. It's Put the resource to Dota 2, okay? Like, Valve is very stingy with hiring new employees. They have, they have, like, their employee to, like, revenue ratio is absurd. They have so few employees, but they make so much money. Yep. Like, hire more people. And I don't know. How do you feel about the the player, like the developer to player feedback? Because I know when you, in League, for example, every time a patch comes out, there are videos explaining the thought process and, and, and every balance change, on every change they make to the game. Developers put comments on why they're doing it, what their objective is, and how you know. Like there's this amazing feedback, or rather, you know, direct line of communication between developers and the players. In Dota 2, I was reading the patch notes with my friends the other day. I looked at all of it myself. Like, there's no like explanations on why they're doing things. It's just Ice Frog wants it, so we're doing it. It's that's so weird. Like, why why does that happen? It's just the way it's been since Dota 1. Everyone just kind of deals with. Uh, uh, it's actually a very famous uh, comic. Uh, have you seen it? Let me see if I can find it right now. Oh, here it is. Here it is, boys. So this is a Dota 2 comic that's very popular. Let's see if I can zoom in here. All right, so, yay, new version is out. Thanks for all the hard work, Ice Frog. Let me give this a try. So he eats it. Barf. What the F is this? It's kind of joke. New version is shit. Seriously, what the F? <laughs> I'll never play this game again. And then he just eats it again. <laughs> he just eats his shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's quite on point. And it's funny. Jeff Kaplan makes those videos as well with uh, Overwatch. And I think I do like the, the process of explaining their thought process. Because I think... It helps people understand what they're thinking. Otherwise, it can create more frustration between players like why they change certain things. So it's I, I, I like the direction that League and Overwatch have gone in that you know in terms of balance and the way they they communicate with their players. I think that that's a solid positive. But yeah, I mean, hopefully this brings back the player numbers of Dota 2, though. <laughs> that's a great comic, though. By the way, I love the ending. <laughs> the ending is perfect. <laughs> oh uh, great! What else we got? Uh, I have a little bit of a controversy. All right, bring Some it up. Drama. I did mention, I promised in pregame to talk about this real quick. Okay, so we all know PUBG is doing great, right? Yeah. Now, there's some news that the game might actually be banned in China. 
Apparently, the Communist Party says this game is not socialist enough. They say the whole you know, last man standing, gladiator-style combat is, uh, is too violent for China. So what do you think is going on there? Will this game... It's, right now, the prediction is it will be banned in China. I, th- I think it's going to happen. You know why? I think Tencent is going gonna, is gonna to butter up the Chinese government. They, released, maybe they might release the second app about clapping for the Chinese government again. Maybe two, three more versions of that game. And they'll suck enough of that, uh, suck enough, uh, brown nose enough to get the game out there because there's too much money to be had right now. And Tencent has a lot of influence in China as well. It is unbelievably successful, and Chinese gamers are already playing this game. Yeah. They're already playing on the Western servers, like the global servers already. So even though they want, the Chinese, the Chinese government said that the game uh, is too violent and it may corrupt, or rather, the, emo- the physical or emotional well being of Chinese teenagers was the wording they used about PUBG. Which is so weird. We don't think about that stuff here in the West because, you know, there's no controversy about Battle Royale. The game's gonna, if the game, you know, it, it just happened. But, like, it's so weird that there's still so much censorship, so much, you know, these issues still happening in China, which is the world's biggest gaming market. But I think they might censor some of the blood. And ten, there's too much money to be had that this game is still going to happen, I think. It's the world's hottest game right now. It's one of the hottest games in the world. It's got to happen. What's more remarkable to me, though, is that the article goes to say that there was about, there's, there are currently about 30, count this, 30, 3-0 Battle Royale games in development in China today. Wow. They are, they are eager quick. to copy. Yeah, they're quick over there. I don't know, man. I, I, I think, I think uh, basically the Chinese government wants a, wants a bribe from Tencent. Yeah, that, that, that sounds about right. And do you think, they can, um, do you think they're going to be forced to change the game around? Like maybe make a paintball? No. Some, some, they'll, they'll give it to the blood, maybe. Somebody in chat uh, in Reddit recommended that. He said, okay, imagine instead of you know bullets, they just shoot paint, right? And then when mm-hmm. someone dies, they just kneel. Like they're just they're just kneeled, like you know, on the ground, like crouched. That'd be actually a very smart fix because you yeah. would still get the exact same gameplay. Mm-hmm. I don't think it would make a big deal either because everyone everyone would know that like they did it purely for censorship anyway. Yeah. So that'd be a really cool fix. So I think one way or another, PUBG is going to happen in China. There's no reason too much money to be had to not happen. That it, it's gotta. But I'm, I'm glad that you know, with all the with all the shit happening in America, we don't have to worry about censorship. From uh, the government in these games, we do see self censorship sometimes that we talked about with um, with that MOBA from Nexon Hyper Universe. But like a lot of games do self censorship, but it's not like forced upon them. So we we have it pretty good here. We have it pretty good here in the West. Well, well, not everywhere in the West. In um, in Germany, they actually have to censor Hitler's mustache off for the new Wolf- Wolfenstein game. Have you heard no. of that? No. Why? Well, in in Germany, there's laws against like showing Hitler and stuff. Like you go to jail. So uh, in textbooks, do they not have like pictures of Hitler? Well, you can't like. There's a lot of things you uh. They control basically. If you're talking about World War II or like Nazis, you got to toe the line, the official line. You can't. It's so weird that that still happens in like a Western democracy, like a like a real like Western country. So this you... is this is a picture of Hitler in the uh, American version on the left here, and this is Hitler on the right in the in the German version. <laughs> <laughs> that makes that makes no kind of sense. It just seems so bizarre. That the government would actually do that. Like, it's so cheesy. Like, what are they trying to accomplish? Like, it it's the same person. They discovered they just they just photoshopped the mustache off. And they can't. You can't even show a swastika. <coughs> so if you look really? at the, if you look at the background in these two pictures, in the mm-hmm. left one there's like a swastika on the flag. On the right one, it's 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 like a you know like a different shape. It's not a swastika. That's awful. That's bad. Like this is like, I don't know. I mean, I get that it's a sensitive issue, but like. It just seems so bizarre that they're not, you know, like this game is available worldwide anyway. So like people can get the Western version, the, like the American version, the UK version. It just seems like it's, I don't know. I I didn't think this would this would be happening. I knew they had, they, you know, you can't like in some 
European countries, you can't like deny the Holocaust and stuff, which is whatever. I mean, you shouldn't be denying it anyway, but it's still a free speech thing, I think. But it's I didn't see, I didn't think the censorship would happen like to the mustache here. Like, maybe the Maybe the swastika, I can understand it to a degree, but why the mustache? All right, what's worse, guys? What's worse? Getting rid of the swastika and the stash or getting rid of the cigar in uh, StarCraft Two and uh, League of Legends? Well, in, in League did they brought back the cigar in League of Legends? All right. they, it's a vape it's now. Back. It's back. Hold up. No, it's a vape. It's a, it's a vape now. It's now he, he's all about that vape nation now. <laughs> there should be a skin for him where he's got a vape. That'd be so good. <laughs> uh, it's pretty bad, though, that they, they, they did that, I think. Rip. Censorship. The cigar. Tykes lost his cigar too. That's such a dumb. It was such a dumb like thing to censor out. They, 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 they all brought it back in the end anyway, so it just it's pretty cringe. Indeed. All right. Uh, anything else we got to cover up, or do you want to move to the post game? We'll move to the post game. We have a few other fun things we can talk about actually that we didn't quite get to because I want to talk about uh about games in alpha and when they launch because I I'll give a quick teaser over here right now because when a lot of games uh. Like you're an alpha, like Dauntless, for example. People are always like, oh, don't worry. The game's going to be so much more smooth when the game comes out. Okay. Pro tip, guys. When a game is an alpha and it comes out like six months later, nothing's going to fucking change. Nothing. It's going to be the same game. People think like, oh, it's an alpha. Like when it launches, they're going to fix all these problems. No. It's going to be the same fucking game. So I'll talk about that in the post game. All right. Fun discussion. Well, thanks for watching, guys. Uh, catch us live on Twitch if you're watching on YouTube for more fun in the post game. All right. Take it easy. All right. We'll see you guys in the post game. Later, guys. Later for YouTube, brother.